Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. My guest today is Sherry Gaba, who is a licensed psychotherapist and life coach who helps people cope with codependency, love addiction, toxic relationships, and mental health issues. In today's episode, we talk about one of her highly endorsed programs, Wake Up Recovery, an online group coaching program that applies the principles of positive psychology, law of attraction, and mindfulness for codependents, love addicts, and toxic relationships. Welcome to Lifeology. Oh, welcome. Thank you for having me. I am really looking forward to this. It's always so much fun to talk to another psychotherapist and we get to hear all your expertise and I know I'm going to learn so much. So it's so funny because when your, um, your publicist sent me the information, I was like, toxic relationships. Everybody's had one of those in their life. And so <laughs> I was like, I want to hear about this because I'm sure I've had many of those and maybe <laughs> I've had more than my life than I realized. And so definitely you're going to explain us, explain to us what all of that means. <laughs> Absolutely. Now you weren't always this person with whom I'm speaking with today, this expert in this, you went through a lot of life struggles yourself. Can you tell us some of that? Because I want, it's so important. I think people realize that just because we're on this side of the camera, on this side of the mic, that we also had life lessons to learn as well. Walk us through that. Okay. So you're so right. And a lot of therapists are very, you know, they have really strict boundaries. They don't talk about their personal life. I feel sometimes Mm -hmm. it can be very helpful. So I kind of break a little bit Mm -hmm. of that um, rule, you know, where I think, you know, knowing that someone else has been through that, even if you're a therapist can be really um, helpful and you feel like you can relate. So uh, I started out uh, going back to school in my uh, mid thirties. I ended up somehow in the field of addiction. I ended up marrying an alcoholic. And what I found myself doing was really obsessing over his sobriety. And um, in many ways, that was a very toxic relationship because it was such a cycle of getting sober, not getting sober, sober, drinking, sober, using, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And I kind of woke up one day after um, his last relapse and I went, oh, my God, I am obsessing over him. This is ridiculous. And I'm writing books. My first book was about alcoholism and the law of attraction, I thought. And I'm even writing books about him. I'm not an addict. I'm not an alcoholic, but here I am so focused. So I basically woke up one day and I went, you know, I'm a love addict. I'm a codependent. I really have to Mm. unpack this and really look at why do I keep making these decisions with the same type of people over and over again? What, what's really going on? And so I, I did this personal journey and really looked at my early trauma. And so I'm a big believer. And if you have early trauma, there's a really good chance you may end up as a codependent, a love addict, or in a toxic relationship, really want to work on that trauma piece. Yeah. And that, that's very true. I mean, I think we all, the templates of life, we can really instill us today. So it's, it's so funny because sometimes when I, when I think of different things in my, my own life, if I hear myself repeat things I said about myself when I was a kid, like for example, if I do something silly or foolish, you know, I'm like, James, you're so stupid. You know, if I were ever to say those types of things, those core beliefs really permeate our life and we're not aware of it, then yeah, I'm sure it can show up in relationships. I'm sure it can show up in the people we are attracted to. And that just replays the cycle of what we believed as kids now who we are today. And not only limiting beliefs, but specifically, you know, uh, not having parents that were available, not having caregivers uh, that were Mm -hmm. there for us, possibly neglectful, possibly being abandoned, possibly being abused. Um, This is this is severe trauma. So it go, it's beyond limiting beliefs. It's actually energetically, you are holding trauma in your mm-hmm. body and you're going to mm-hmm. go out yeah. there and you're going to repeat those adult relationships if you don't work on those issues, because we all want what we know. We want what's familiar. Yeah. It's always funny to me when people talk about relationships, you're like, oh, this is my type. And I'm like, 
but you don't have a successful relationship. Why, why is that your type? You know, so it's, it's so important to kind of rethink that if someone is saying this is my type, well, maybe that shouldn't be your type. If, right. if, if it's really familiar, you might want to be looking the other way <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I want to jump into just toxicity, love relationships, et cetera. You talk about love addicts. What is a love addict? So we know what a, you know, what a drug addict is, you know, what an alcoholic mm-hmm. is, they have a substance abuse, but love addicts are a little different. They are the, they do have an addiction, but it's to love and romance. You know, they say addicts and alcoholics are always chasing that first high. Love addicts are always chasing that first love. They're looking for that euphoric state that, that love had brought them. And they just keep looking for it. But they have a lot of the same similarities as an addict in that there's a withdrawal state. If a breakup occurs, they're longing for that uh, attachment to those pleasurable feelings they had when they fell in love. They often will over adapt to what others want because they so don't want to be Mm. alone. They'll settle for less. They they feel so empty and and they really just just cannot be on their own. They have severe abandonment issues, which is what my story was. Um, They attempt to change others. They need others to feel whole. Um, they look for others. Uh, codependency sort of um, ties into this. They look for others to feel whole. They want to feel needed. Um, and they just give up who they are out of the fear that they might lose someone's approval or somebody yeah. might walk away from them. And so that's why when I talk about love addiction, I often also talk about toxic relationships because you're going to be more uh, vulnerable to a toxic relationship if you're someone that um, has a love addiction or codependent background. And that's interesting. So, uh, transition into toxic relationships. What would be the what would be the the I guess the, the symptoms of that or the signs? Yeah, that- if you're constantly worrying about the partner, you're constantly obsessing about them, ruminating over them. You're always walking on eggshells. There's a lot of fighting, a lot of high intensity. You feel guilty for yeah. everything because toxic people, and I'll say narcissists or those with narcissistic traits, they always have to be right. Mm-hmm. So you're wrong, and because mm-hmm. you already have sort of a weak self-esteem, I don't mm-hmm. want to say weak, but a low self-esteem. You're sure. going to be more prone to taking on the guilt. You're going to take the blame. And they know that. Um, there's a lot of fighting, a lot of manipulating, a lot of controlling, a lot of yelling, a lot of insulting. It can get into physical injuries, a lot of disrespect, a lot of devaluing, uh, dishonesty, betrayal. And most importantly, if you find yourself just lacking self you know, care, you're so obsessed with this person that you're not taking care of yourself. You're not taking care of your parents. You're neglecting your mental health, your physical mm. health. These mm-hmm. are all signs that you're probably in a toxic situation. You know, we often see this on TV, you know, and we're like, oh my gosh, that's obvious. Of course, this person is in a toxic relationship. How does it creep up on people when they don't even realize it until one day, perhaps like yourself, you're like, oh my God, how, what am I doing? How is it that sometimes we normalize that so much that we don't even realize that we are in a toxic relationship? Well, first of all, again, we attract what we know. So you, you'll end up with somebody that reminds you of something early on in your life and you're going to, you're mm-hmm. going to. You're going to keep picking these people until you get it right. In other words, you get your childhood right. It's sort of a way to redo your childhood and we can get into the trauma piece. But one of the telltale signs is love bombing. If you meet somebody that's just over the top, giving you attention, lavishing you with gifts, telling you how amazing you are. I had a guy last year tell me he was going to marry me on our first day, which was just ridiculous. These are some (laughs) of the signs, you know, you're going to say this guy could be toxic. They tell you they love everything about you. They've never met anyone as Mm -hmm. perfect as you. Um, you know, they want a commitment right away. They tell you, you were born together. It's fate. You understand me more than anyone. We're soulmates. They, they quickly, uh, again, want to be in a commitment. And the, the real telltale sign is they don't, they don't like boundaries. So as soon as you, you know, start to set a boundary, they're going to be like, no, they're not going to have it. You're probably dealing with a toxic person, love bombers. All, and this, and I think your question was, how do you know? 
well, this is how you know that someone is love bombing you. And they get really upset when you try to set a boundary because someone who really respects you is going to respect your boundaries. Yes. And that's one of the things I think sometimes people forget is the boundaries. And so there's a difference between setting healthy boundaries and unrealistic boundaries. How do can people really differentiate between what is a realistic boundary and an unhealthy boundary? I mean, it's really your line in the sand. It's, it's where, you know, what mm-hmm. is no and what is yes? What is acceptable? No, I won't let somebody talk to me that way. Uh, no, I won't mm-hmm. someone cheat. No, I won't. You know, I won't allow somebody. I don't want to be with someone who's not, not in recovery for yeah. addiction or alcoholism. Um, I'm not going to let someone yell at me or verbally abuse me. I mean, it's really mm-hmm. figuring out what are your preferences. And, and like I said, codependent and love addicts often come from this history of trauma. And so they sometimes don't even know who they are. And if they don't know who they are, how can they know their preferences? And if they don't know their preferences, how can they know their boundaries? So that's why mm-hmm. it's so important to do this healing work, you know, finding a therapist that can help you really uncover, like, who am I? What, what are my, what is yeah. my line in my sound? What is my, what are my boundaries? You know, hearing this, I'm sure people will be like, oh my God, that's so much work. And that feels overwhelming. It feels daunting. What are things you tell people who may have those feelings of, my gosh, this is, this is too overwhelming. Well, you, you have to sit in the pain. If you don't want to sit in the pain, you're just going to keep repeating the patterns. I mean, listen, you can do what I did and you can settle for less and then just end up in another divorce. I mean, I talk about this in my book, Love Smack which is on Amazon. And it's all, you know, I've had multiple marriages. I mean, if you can't sit with yourself, if you don't like your Mm -hmm. own company, if you haven't worked on your self-esteem, if you haven't unearthed early trauma, if you haven't dealt with family of origin issues, you'll just, you know, and and you're willing to just be abused, be a doormat, settle for less, become obsessed uh, over somebody else, trying to fix, manipulate, or control someone to be who you want them to be rather than who they really are. You are welcome to do that, but it'll just be one painful event after the next. So really the, the best thing I can say is yes. I mean, I, I, I can't make it easy for you. It is a lot of work, but it is so great when you get to the other side and you start picking healthy mm-hmm. relationships. Yeah. And, and I agree with you hundred percent. One thing I'm thinking as well is what, what about those individuals like, yo, I am healthy, but when they're dating someone, they're more in love with the person's potential as opposed to the reality of who the person is today. Right. So codependent love addicts are notorious for loving the delusion of who someone is rather than who they are. Sure. Why is that? Because they, if they go into, they go into denial or they minimize the problems because if they have to look at the truth, they'll have to actually either break up with the person or mm. leave the relationship or have some kind of co- confrontation with the person. I mean, generally not that person is yeah. not going to change, but it's because you don't want to be alone. You don't want to be abandoned. You don't want to be rejected. So you, you fall for something that you hope someone's going to be or who you think they are. And it's basically falling in love with a fantasy. Yeah, which which is unfortunately something that, that happens to many people. You know, I, I was thinking just in general about when it comes to the media, I mean, I mean, obviously I'm in media, <laughs> so I can't say much. But media often portrays a lot of those things as far as it normalizes unhealthy patterns. You're like, oh, this is really cute or this is endearing. What do you, what would you say about a lot of the stereotypes or the archetypes that the media in general, once again, I'm part of that, but what would you say about that as far as how can people differentiate what's truly healthy as opposed to using the narratives or the archetypes of those? Yeah, well, I'm thinking, you know, those fatal attraction, which I'm already aging myself when you think of that movie or Beyonce was in a movie (laughs) called Obsessed. I mean, that's definitely the archetype of, you know, falling in love instantly and obsessive love. Um, I think music is a country music in particular, Mm. very codependent very love addicted type music. But really, you know, I have a granddaughter, she's going to be six. And I think about all the princesses, you know, I think of Snow White Mm -hmm. and Cinderella, and then even some of the princesses from my daughter's generation, Ariel or uh, Beauty and the Beast. However, today, 
the princesses are starting to be a little more independent, like Mo- Mo- Moana or, you know, if anybody has mm-hmm, kids mm-hmm. or grandkids. Yeah, I know what that is, yeah. <laughs> they're becoming a little more independent, luckily, thank goodness. But generally, you know, it's this fairy tale idea that someone's going to rescue you, sweep you off your feet and yeah. make everything, you know, great. And it doesn't always work that way, but it's great to have secure love, you know, move towards a secure attachment with someone. But it has mm-hmm. to start with a secure attachment with your family. Yeah. And speaking of attachments, um, so obviously I know about attachment attachment theories. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I think it's so important for people to realize the avoidant attachment, just the types of attachments in general, because when we can put a name to something, that's when we're like, ah, okay, that makes more sense. Could you Do you want to talk a little bit about the attachment aspects of it? It doesn't sure. have to go the, the, the technical yeah, names of it, yeah. but just the concepts of it. Well, there's there's the anxious attachment, secure attachment, disorganized attachment. I don't know if I'm missing any. I mm-hmm. think those are the three I can. It's funny. Oh, and the well, there's the avoidance yeah, and avoidance. Yeah, yeah. Avoidance. So yeah. So basically, you know, we're always moving towards secure attachment within ourselves and with someone else. You want to find someone with a secure attachment. So of course, you want to work on your own secure attachment. A love addict and a codependent are often anxious attachments. Um, because they are afraid of abandonment. They're afraid of being rejected. They get insecure when the person doesn't contact them constantly or affirm them constantly. And then you ha- you can be a love addict and you can be sort of an anxious and avoidant. You can be like, you know, you want someone to come to you. And then when they come to you, you move them, you know, you're like, oh, no, go away, go away. And that's sort of an avoidant. Um, so I always say, really, you know, it doesn't mean you you're going to right off the bat be a secure attachment. This is stuff you're always working towards. But certainly um, toxic relationships are generally these these anxious attachment styles or avoidance styles. I wouldn't say every narcissist is an avoidant, but many narcissists deep down are avoidance. And yet sure. when you look at, you know, when you look at a narcissist and a codependent love addict, they both really have severe abandonment issues. They just uh, manifest it differently. You know, it's the love addict, yeah. yeah, it's how it presents, right. Um, the love addict, you know, or the codependent wants to be needed. And then the toxic person has this narcissistic supply of attention that they need from that other person. So they kind mm-hmm. of, they're a magnet for each other. So a lot of these attachment yeah. styles collide, they find each other. You know, it's amazing how the universe brings people together uh, to fit um, these styles. Exactly. Give us one second. We're going to uh, go back. We're going to um, take a quick commercial break. I'm speaking with Sherry Geba and she's talking about unhealthy and toxic relationships. We'll return in just a second. Are you an emerging persona or a global organization that isn't getting recognition from the press? Have your marketing and advertisement efforts hit a plateau? Let us help you take your brand to the next level. Red Heifer Media is a full service boutique public relations agency specializing in health and wellness, tech, real estate, and nonprofit organizations. We can turn your successful company into a reputable brand. Take your first step and visit www.redheifermedia.com. Once again, visit www.redheifermedia.com to take your brand to the next level. So for my viewers and listeners who have just returned with us, I'm speaking with Sherry Geba, who is talking about unhealthy, toxic relationships. We've learned a lot so far. So if you're just now tuning in, make sure you listen to the beginning part of the show because you will learn so much. It'll help you be really mindful of your own relationships, previous relationships, and potentially current relationships as well. So we were talking about the last thing we just wrapped up before the commercial break was you're talking about the narcissist and the anxious person and the great magnets for each other. Our people listening right now are going to be at different spectrums here. The telltale signs that everybody has is going to be slightly different when it comes to unhealthy relationships. Are there ways in which a person like right this second, they can identify what some of those unhealthy patterns are? It doesn't mean it's a, perhaps an unhealthy relationship, but unhealthy dynamics that are created. Well, I, I can say this. I, if you're worried that you're, because we're talking about 
obsessive relationships, probably about love addiction. I can say this, that generally when you first meet someone, you fall in love and you think about them constantly. And, um, but the, I would say you think about them constantly, but then it kind of morphs into more like calm. But if you're someone who's really obsessive or a love addict, you're going to fantasize about them all the time. You're going to fantasize about a future. You're going to overwhelm partners with attention. You're going to feel it's your responsibility to fix them, make them perfect. And you're not yeah. going to be your authentic self. You're going to always try to change them. Um, you're yeah. going to be hypervigilant, overreact to the slightest signs that your partner's not interested in you. You're going to feel empty and a great loss or sense of unworthiness if you're not in a relationship. So those are the signs you want to look for if you are in a obsessive sort of relationship. But healthy relationships are slow and steady. They take time. They're nurturing. There's a secure attachment. There's mm -hmm. honesty. There's great communication. You're not afraid of confrontation. You can talk things out. So I think that was what you asked. What? Yeah, exactly. And it is important. Yeah, because there, there are a lot of people that are listening right now who have great relationships, but it is good to see how some of those blind spots that we all have can creep into the relationship. And so it's good to hear what you're saying as far as if there's an over an overreaction, overconnection to something. It's, it's good to be aware of that because if not, perhaps that's... Uh, the foundation for something that could grow into an unhealthy pattern. And this, and this isn't to say if, if you're discovering, oh God, I have some, he has some of these traits or I have some of these traits. Maybe, maybe it's a good time to talk to someone, a couple of therapists, kind mm -hmm. of figure out what's going yeah. on. Maybe these things you didn't realize. And now you're hearing me talk mm -hmm. about it. And it's like, oh, wow, is that me? Mm -hmm. um, mostly my audience generally, when I'm on these shows are people that are out there in the single world or in the dating digital yeah. world. Um, yeah. So a lot of this applies to that, I would say. We, I was reading in your media kit, you, you talk a lot about the downfalls of this obsession relationship. So let's say I'm in a relationship with someone and this person, I'm not able to fix this person. This person doesn't necessarily want that. And all of a sudden my role has changed. There's a downside that you talk about as far as the not ability to be able to fix that person. And how does, how would that affect my self-esteem and my value in that relationship? Well, are you saying what ha what are the downsides to being in an obsessive relationship? So if yeah, so essentially if I uh, thanks for asking for the clarification. If I'm in this relationship and I'm not able to fix the other person, I'm not able to show up the way that I think they want me to, and the person's like, you know, slow down, I'm good. How, that there's a downside to that, and all of a sudden my value and my worth because I'm trying to be with this person, all of a sudden it has a blowback on me. What does it do to the person who is trying to the anxious person who is trying to fix the person, but they don't have that value, they don't have that role they can be in. Well, first of all, if you have no value and you have no self-esteem and you're trying to fix somebody else, that's going to be a dead end mm -hmm. right right there. I mean, you, you, you have to work on those issues in order to be in a healthy relationship. The downside of being in any of these kind of toxic relationships is that you could end up in a very abusive relationship. Uh, we saw that a lot with the COVID. You mm -hmm. end up in very incompatible relationships. Yeah. Uh, you end up fearing that your spouse might abandon you. Mm -hmm. uh, you lack the independence. Um, if, and if they do leave, you're worried that the site, you know, if, if, if you leave, then you may start to cycle again and just, you know, kind of, what do they say? Rinse, repeat, yeah. you know, the same type of relationship yeah. again. Um, you know, you're going to be also, this is, these are the things that are going to happen to you. If you don't work on yourself, you're going to be easy prey for manipulative, selfish people who recognize their extreme need to take advantage of you. And obsession just will lead you to lie to yourself. Mm -hmm. You're going to deny your truth. I mean, all of this is just going to be a downward spiral. Yeah. You know, that's it, why we're always trying to work on ourselves. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I think also just, what does they say? Um, the better the evil I know versus the evil I don't know. I mean, I 
probably mess it up. But if you haven't, I think sometimes when people have this awareness that, yeah, this isn't a healthy relationship, but perhaps this is all I'm worth or all I'm good, or this is all I'll be able to have. Or there's other aspect is I just don't want to break up with this person. I don't want to have to do this again. So sometimes I think we do stay because we are fearful of finding someone that isn't going to, the unknown. Exactly. And I think that's such a difficult struggle for many people is because we do often settle for that because like we said, either your value or just that sense of, I don't want to have to go through that again. So sometimes we just stay as well. Right. It's not fun out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been dating on and off my whole life. It's, you know, it's, it's not easy, mm-hmm. but it's a, you know, I'd rather do that than, you know, they say you're much lonelier with the wrong person than being on your own. And I, I absolutely believe that 100%. Um, you got you to gotta walk through the pain. See, people just want to avoid the pain. I wanted to avoid the pain. I did not want to feel the pain yeah. of being on my own. I had to be partnered up. And I get that. And, you know, that's why I'm doing the work I'm doing. I want people to not feel ashamed. Mm-hmm. There are reasons that you feel this way. What was your background about? What was your, you know, what is your early trauma? There's when people discover that I was premature, I was in an incubator. That's where my abandonment issues began. They're like, Oh God, I can relate. I can relate. So take a look at what, what are your issues? Why do you keep settling for less? Why do you have to be coupled up in order to be happy? Sure. Everybody wants to be in love. Love is a great thing. If it's the right partner, but you can also be really happy on your own. You can really look at your life and go, wow, I have a great life yeah. with or without a partner. I have a great life. Yeah. And that's a beautiful reframe. And also that self-reliance and self, that self-value is important because when you, you know, being able to really be mindful of who you are and be appreciative of who you are, that's definitely something you can give your partner as well. You know, you're talking about the, the right? aspects of the, the trauma, you know, if people can relate with that, sometimes there's trauma bonding. Do you want to speak more about what trauma bonding is? Because once again, we can put a label to something. People say, ah, okay, that's something I can be mindful of. Yeah, that's a great question. So there's three different kinds of trauma bonding. There's the kind of trauma bonding where you meet someone and you have similar traumas that you that you can relate to. Mm-hmm. When I think of my ex-alcoholic husband, we both had very severe abandonment issues. And that kind of bonded us together. And then there's the other uh, type of trauma bond where let's say you had very neglectful parents, they were abandoning. Siblings become trauma bonded mm-hmm. because you didn't really have great caregivers. Yeah. So you become... Uh, bonded to your siblings. The trauma bond in terms of a toxic relationship is being with someone who there are all these highs and lows. There's all this like love bombing. You're the greatest thing since salami. And then the next minute they're devaluing you and discarding you. Or one minute they're criticizing you. The next minute they're uh, avoiding you. Or one minute they're telling you how great you are, or they're stonewalling you. Or one minute they're telling you you're the greatest thing again. And then they're going back to um, maybe the silent treatment. So there's this cycle of up and down in the relationship, you actually get addicted. You actually have peptides that you get addicted to that trauma. And so it becomes very hard to walk away because you're always waiting for them to love bomb you again. You're like always waiting for those feel good feelings. Oh, he loves me. He thinks I'm great. And he's validating me. And he thinks I'm the best thing in the world. And so you you get stuck in this trauma bond. And it's very, very hard to get out. Yeah. And I think that that's That's why they say when you, well, I was just going to say, that's why if you are with someone toxic and you are in a severe trauma bond, they really, they recommend no contact. Mm, Which makes a lot of sense because, yeah, because that will repeat the cycle, especially if you're waiting for that person to love bomb you again. And that's, that's that, yeah, that little bit of hope, that little glimmer of hope always unfortunately keeps us in a healthy pattern because we're just like, oh, just, I'm waiting for that, you know, to have that feeling again. And, And unfortunately that does just keep us in a place where we're not be able to. You're waiting for them to throw you a bone again, yeah. and they will, and then they'll take it away. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, and it's unfortunate. And so hopefully the, my listeners of yours that are hearing this right now recognize that your value and worth is something you give yourself. It's something that nobody else can give you. Unfortunately, Sherry, our time is up. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I had so oh, much fun. Great. If my listeners want to find out more information about you and to work with you and to be a part of this uh, Wake Up Recovery Group and all the amazing things you're doing, I know you have some free downloads you're going to give us as well. Where will they find all this information online? Well, first off, Change, thank you for giving me this platform. I'm really grateful too, and I'm grateful for the work you're doing. And congratulations to all of your success. Um, I have a free ebook, Narcissistic Partners and Obsessive Love, and they can get that at sherrygaba.com forward slash NP quiz. That's S-H-E-R-R-Y-G-A-B-A.com forward slash NP quiz. And that is a free ebook. Um, and then also if they want to join my program for your listeners, it's a dollar. It's called Wake Up Recovery. And it's to help people healing from love addiction, codependency, um, and a toxic relationship. And that is very easy to go to wakeuprecovery.com forward slash IG1, wakeuprecovery.com forward slash IG1. And uh, Thank you for putting it in your show notes if you're listening to the podcast. Yes, my pleasure. My listeners, I highly endorse Sherry. She does not need that from me, but I highly endorse her, all the work that she does. If my, if you do want to find more information about you and you don't remember where it is, simply go to the show notes at jamesmillerlifeology.com and I will link you all with Sherry's amazing work and you can download that free workbook as well. Sherry, once again, thank you so much for being a fantastic guest on my show today. Thank you. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.